Now, within IP, copyright is one of the core three IP rights that impact every single business. Hello, and welcome to Brandtuned, the only podcast on branding, which includes related disciplines like intellectual property that are fundamental to growing a brand. I'm Shireen Smith, lawyer, brand strategist, and curious business owner, keen to discover what moves the needle in branding. This episode is part of the IP Fundamentals series of audios that I've previously recorded and want to include here, as it provides some examples of copyright A basic fundamental question that people often ask me is, what exactly is copyright? Of course, they know, they've heard the term, they generally have a good idea, they have a basic understanding, but often there are gaps in their knowledge or confusion around particular points. You know, it's a very, very large subject. So sometimes I'm asked for examples of copyright or why it's important to have copyright or how to avoid copyright problems and so on. So basically copyright, as I've said, is a huge subject. It has many different facets to it. And my aim is to answer three real questions about copyright. Firstly, it's to give you examples of what copyright is. Secondly, I want to give you reasons why you might want to have copyright. And thirdly, give you some ideas on how to avoid common copyright problems. So these are three essential need-to-know pieces of information around copyright. As it's such a large subject though, you're bound to have plenty of questions. So let's kick off. Now, examples of what copyright protects. Let's start there. Copyright is a type of intellectual property right. Intellectual property is a collective term that encompasses five different rights. It's the system of laws that protect creations of the mind and other intangibles. So strategic use of intellectual property makes a big difference to a business's fortunes. So IP is a very important consideration in any venture, whether you're starting, growing or exiting a business. And it also applies to a blog, a charity, If you're introducing any new offering, it's information that every single entrepreneur needs to learn. Now, within IP, copyright is one of the core three IP rights that impact every single business. Copyright is very wide-ranging in scope. Some examples of what it protects include photographs, images, maps, drawings, typefaces, music, you know, films, works of art and performances, software, 
books, videos, content on websites, you know, it's logos as well. That's also protected by copyright. So copyright is highly relevant in today's digital environment because most of the ways that businesses operate involve creating different copyright assets. Microsoft is an example of a business whose fortune is largely based on its copyrights and therefore and there are other industries such as publishing and music where really copyright is what they're dependent on so if you're from a copyright dependent industry you should find out a lot more about copyright than i cover in this episode but this is a good starting point so what's required for copyright to arise Copyright must be fixed in tangible form in order to qualify for protection. Now, I go into this in other episodes, how copyright doesn't protect ideas, but the expression of ideas. So be sure to go back and listen to previous episodes. The essential point to note right now is that in countries like the UK and former wealth, Commonwealth countries like USA, Australia, New Zealand, what are known as the common law countries, it's not necessary for a work to display a high degree of originality in order to qualify for copyright protection. One really important point I want to draw to your attention is that names are not in the list of copyright examples I provided. That's because names are not, as a rule, protected by copyright under the law. They're covered by trademark law. So the question I'm going to focus on next is why you might want to have copyright. Now, here it's important to note that copyright is a property right. What that means is that it's possible to own the rights the copy, in a copyright. The example works that I've outlined earlier. A copyright work is therefore an asset. If you use some of the examples of copyright I've outlined in your business, then it is necessary to decide whether you should own the copyright in them. Because if you don't own the copyright in an asset that you use in your business, it means you're licensing that work effectively. A prime example of copyright we all tend to license in our businesses is software such as Microsoft software, Word and so on. Think of copyright as you might think of a plot of land. Even though the examples of copyright may be intangible, they are nevertheless assets. The copyright owner is the person who has the right to exploit the rights in their assets, just as the landowner can exploit the rights in their land. So Microsoft, as the owner of copyright in its software, is the one who decides who may use its software and on what terms. 
If we copy and use its software without an appropriate license or permission, then we're said to be infringing the copyright owner's rights. Similarly, if you own copyright to something, you may grant permission to other people over some or all of your copyright, just as you can do this with physical property. So you could rent out the entire plot or you might give rights to someone to use your fields, for example, as pasture land or whatever it is. However, unlike land where you're limited by the sort of physical nature of the property to use by one person at a time, copyright being an intangible enables you to grant lots and lots of different people licenses over the same property. With physical property, you're limited as to the number of leases and licenses that you can actually grant to other people to use your land. Copyright, you can grant limitless licenses to others. So, for example, if the owner of copyright in some characters in a book um, wants to, they can basically exploit the particular rights in those characters by giving other people permission to print those character names or people on their t-shirts because they are the copyright owner. So basically you give the same permission, you can give the same permission to hundreds of people um, in exchange for royalties. So the rights in a book can be exploited in lots of ways. For example, you can give transla translation rights to other people. You can have the book adapted into a film and many, many more ways in which the author has sources of revenue from their book. So an author like J.K. Rowling derives more revenues from licensing than from book sales. I'll discuss licensing more in future episodes, but at this point I wanted to convey something about it so you can see why copyright ownership might be an important consideration and also other IP rights. Whenever you're turning your idea into a business, transforming your ideas into a commercial proposition, then some of the first tasks that you're likely to get help with or have created for you are copyright works. Copyright should be an uppermost consideration. So you need to make sure that the works you're having created will belong to you. And if they're not going to belong to you, then make sure you negotiate all the necessary permissions that you're going to need for your intended use of that copyright work before you commit uh, to using someone's services. You know, a common fallacy is this notion that you're going to own the rights anyway just because you're commissioning it and paying for a work to be created for you. 
Now, that's just not the case. It's one of those myths that mislead many people. Copyright ownership rules are important to understand in every jurisdiction, be it the UK, USA, Australia, wherever, there are rules which determine who owns the copyright in a work. These default rules determine who is the owner of copyright. In common law countries, invariably, these say that unless you have a written contract with the person who creates a copyright work for you that states otherwise, such as a designer or you know an app that's going to be created, copyright automatically belongs to the creator and not to the person who's paying for it. The only exception is obviously if the contract states otherwise or if the work is undertaken for you by your employee during the normal scope of their duties. So if you engage someone to do work for you, such as to build a website before, you know, before you engage their services and give them your best ideas, then make sure your written agreement with them covers copyright ownership. If you don't negotiate the terms about copyright specifically in your agreement with the developer, you effectively accept that the developer shall own all the rights in your website. That's not a good idea. Now find out what the copyright rules say in your country and how they impact your plans. In an increasingly global marketplace where it's quite common to engage the services of freelancers based in other parts of the world, you can and should agree which country's laws will govern your contracts with other, other people before you engage them. For example, it's very common to use English law as the governing law. The nature of copyright being a property right means that you should pay close attention to the fine details at the start of a project. It's just not enough to deal with it verbally. If the person you engage says you own the rights, that's not enough. There are formalities to follow, you know, copyright being property, just like a house is property, it means that you can only transfer the rights in writing. For example, if I tell you that you can regard my house as yours, now you're not going to then own it unless I go through the formalities laid down under the law for the transfer of a property from me to you. Well, the same applies to copyright or other intellectual property rights. You know, they have formalities to observe. Now, copyright laws were introduced more than a hundred years ago to address the problems of the print industry. Works that were in hard copy and in analog form 
were difficult and expensive to reproduce, so copyright laws enabled artists and authors to restrict the circulation of their works and gain a higher price for them. The problem that we have in today's digital economy is that it's all too easy and cheap to reproduce books, sound recordings, photographs, films, whatever, in really high quality. So the internet has led to a huge increase in piracy of copyright content. The copyright industries are all facing unique challenges due to the ease with which their works can be copied. And at the same time, because it's all too easy to copy other people's work, the internet also makes it really easy to be found out if you're copying someone's copyright. So, you know, that's basically the third point I want to cover today, how to avoid some common copyright problems. And, you know, that involves understanding that content online is not in the public domain. So there is this popular belief that content that is on the web is in the public domain, but it's not. So if you use images, sounds or other co content that is not licensed to you, you're at risk. There are tools and software that organizations like Getty Images use which enable them to track down unlicensed use of their images. So organizations will demand damages if they find their images on your website. It doesn't absolve you of responsibility to say that it was your web designer who put the image there. So we all need to be really vigilant about copyright if we're to avoid liability for copyright infringement. If you don't have a process to ensure that the images and other content that you use in your business are properly licensed to you, you could attract unexpected problems such as arose for Mr. Sano's business. Now Mr. Sano was the designer who was commissioned a few years back to design the logo for the Tokyo Olympics. Unluckily for him, another designer claimed that he had copied the logo he produced for the Tokyo Olympics. Mr. Sano strongly denied the allegations of copying. But then, unfortunately for him, a story emerged about how years ago his team had copied materials from the internet in a beer promotion campaign for Suntory. Now this led to the Tokyo Olympics Committee losing confidence in him and they decided to abandon the logo. Now we don't know how Mr. Sano found himself in this disastrous PR situation. He clearly hadn't covered off copyright law properly in his business. Now, it's not uncommon 
even for professionals such as web designers to not realize that they can't just use images found online, let alone others that you may employ in your business. So it's important to train people. It can and does happen that web designers cause problems for businesses, you know, owners, um, well, in one case involving DARE, um, shows you what can go wrong. So the Drug Abuse Resistance Education, that's DARE, engaged a designer to create its website. Unbeknown to them, the designer found some images on a government website which depicted various drugs and he assumed that they were available to be used. Dare took the designer at their word that the images could be used. Unfortunately, it then later transpired that the photographs were in fact owned by a professional photographer. Having discovered the unauthorized use of his work, the photographer took legal action and Dare ended up having to pay an award of £10,000 in damages plus interest and legal costs, of course. So while the penalty in terms of monetary cost in damages will differ from country to country, the principle is the same. Using unlicensed images can have adverse consequences for the site owner. So really, it's up to you as the business owner to give anyone you engage clear instructions about where to source images for your site. Um, it's your website. You're the one who will face problems if there are then unlicensed images on the website or misuse of license terms. That's another biggie, which I'll cover in another episode. Nowadays, with the increasing use of sites like People Per Hour or Upwork to find web designers, often located in distant places, it's very likely that designers may not be properly trained, may not be aware of copyright laws, and it may not be so easy to recover your losses from them either. So think about it. The DARE case demonstrates that you shouldn't assume your web designer or other professional you use will know what material and images they may or may not use. Do your own verifications. So, in conclusion, we've covered a lot of ground today. I've explained what copyright protects why copyright ownership matters and therefore why it's important you know to focus on copyright before engaging someone to do work for you i've also advised not to leave copyright discussions till later on once the work has already been commissioned that's due to the copyright default ownership rules, which say that the contractor will own copyright 
in the absence of a specific agreement to the contrary. Make sure you find out what the laws in your country say about copyright. And, you know, the third learning really was this. The internet has made it all too easy to infringe on the copyright of others and to be found out if you do so. As the owner of a copy of a website or business, you need to protect yourself because you will be liable if your web designer just grabs images off the internet and uses them on your site, for example. So given the importance of copyright, it's worth having a process in place in your business to cover off the risks that you run. A really easy way to do this is to buy my Legally Branded Academy course. It has everything you'll need, you know, video guidance, checklists and templates to address these copyright risks. It covers other important IP issues to bear in mind in your business too, and it's suitable wherever you're located in the world. That's because it's a business course. In next week's podcast, I'll be interviewing Alex Bodini, the co-founder of London-based social media agency Spin Brands. Alex has worked in digital marketing and social media for nearly a decade, working with companies such as Google, eBay, as well as hundreds of small businesses in the UK and Europe. If you've listened to the podcast to this point, please do like, share or rate it. If you have an important message to share that would be relevant to listeners, then do connect with me and let me know. You can find me on most platforms, but perhaps the best one to use is LinkedIn.